Hello, may I welcome you to episode 37 of Moving Matters. I am your host, Colin Wynn. I hope Moving Matters will give you an insight to others working or have worked in this wonderful industry as they delve into their past, their present and their future. You will find a new episode of Moving Matters on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. In this episode, we discover that my guest began his career in the industry back in 1999 after relocating from New Zealand to Australia. We discuss how he became involved in the industry, his challenges, what he would change from his past, his high points, what changes he would make, the advice he would give himself starting out again, where he sees himself in the industry in the next five years and what he does in his spare time. And as always, we end with a funny moving story. My guest this episode is Damien Pahulu of Frontier Packers, my first international guest. Enjoy. Good morning, Damien, or where you are. Good evening, Damien. Welcome to Moving Matters. You are my first international guest. Welcome. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you very much, Colin. It's uh, great to be on the podcast. Absolutely. My pleasure. Can you tell everyone about yourself and the length of time within the industry? I've been in the industry since 99. I started as a as an offsider and then I became a driver and then now I'm a contractor for a large moving company in Brisbane, Queensland. So what is it that you do as a contractor? So we do international moves, domestic moves. We do a lot of government work. We pack and load containers that are sent on rail or put on large B-double trucks to drive to all parts of Australia. So I, I don't do the long-haul drives. My crew and myself, we just normally pack and load the containers and then the fork takes them off and puts them on another truck or train and um, it gets railed to another part of Australia. So when you say you're a contractor, you're not a, a porter or a driver, you're a contractor as in it's your business and you have staff? Yes, correct. Yes. So and wow. uh, I yeah, so and, and then I uh contract to another larger company who have a contracting model. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of other contractors there and they, they all do the same thing. So but uh my crew we 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 normally ninety percent of our work is normally pack and loads because of our experience. We don't tend to do many deliveries, so uh, we just normally pack and load the containers to go wherever they need to be. So how many trucks do you run, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I only, I only just run the one, one truck. I have, a, I have a truck and a, and a ute. There's three of us all the, all the time, and depending on how busy it is, you know, we probably get up to five. And then if it gets really busy, I'd, I might get a, another truck or two. All of us are, have got truck licenses. So if it gets really busy, we could potentially you know, run three trucks, but I, I prefer just to run the one truck. And that way there, there's a bit of slack in the crew, whereas in the three main guys can, can either run the job and we can get some other offsiders or porters, as you would call them in the UK, to help out. So, yes. So you don't do the sales side of it at all? No. You are literally given jobs to do and off you go and do it, basically? Yeah, that's that's us. So I have I have nothing to do with the admin. Lucky you. Yeah, yeah. Purely operations based. Yeah, that's that's all I do. So uh been doing it for a while now. At the moment in, in Brisbane we're we're now our busiest time of the year. 
this time's absolutely crazy. So it's probably when we all pay our bills. So um, everyone's very busy at the moment. So how did you get started in the industry? Well, I came to Australia from New Zealand in um, 1999, and I, I, I didn't have any qualifications like many of us who started in the industry, and I was just looking for a job. So there was a need for removalists, and, uh, and then I, I, I became an off-site reporter then, 99, and I, I worked for a lot of very good companies. And then I just decided that as a natural progression, I'd get my license, and then I'd become a contractor. So, but I don't quite have the, the, the talent to manage too many people. That's why I, I keep my crew very, very small. So we're, we're very experienced. So conventional wisdom with the experience that we have, I could probably get another two trucks and then we all run it, one each truck and then we, and we can do it that way. But, um, I've, I've tried that, uh, every now and then I didn't like the experience. That size is just not for me. So, uh, I prefer just to keep the crew very small. We concentrate our experience in one or two jobs and that way there, we're always working with very experienced crew and we, we very rarely take on anyone new. So we, we always have very experienced and um, just for the way I like to run my jobs, I prefer it that way. That's the way I run things. So your guys have been with you for a long time then? Yes. One of them has and the, the other ones, he's been in the industry for a really long time. Right. So they've, uh, they're all probably 15 years plus. So. And and myself, like I said, I I, I started in '99, so we're we're all um, it's still all relatively new then. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean we're sort of like you could say part of the furniture now. So yeah. <laughs> so what challenges have you had to overcome? Um, I think the the main thing for me personally is is when I realised that I'm not really cut out for managing large groups of people just for my personality and my sanity i i I like to keep my (laughs) crews very small and um despite a lot of advice saying that i I should expand i found out that that's not really for me so just just realizing that was it was a challenge because i i kept on trying it and it it wasn't quite working out a lot of the time yeah so so that was pretty much it but then another challenge that i did have is I, i used to work for a really really large company global company and a challenge that i found was that if you take initiative in a really large company global company sometimes that initiative is not it's not received in the way that a smaller company would receive it so um a long time ago i i came up with some initiatives that i i thought was was great the company didn't like it i put these educational videos out Training is hard for new guys that come into the industry. So my proposal was, I've done this job long enough. Why don't I put some videos out and the company can pay for it and we can distribute all the videos through the company just as training material for the company. And I, I was going to do it for free. And then I I was sort of told that, oh, yeah, that's a good initiative, but it's not going to go anywhere in this company because it's just too hard to manage. So in the end, I, I did the videos anyway, and I, I took two weeks off. I did the videos, and then I put them on YouTube, and I told everybody that I knew to hear these videos for free. They're, they're for anyone, and they're, 
for anyone to who wants to learn about the operational side of removals. Yeah, so when I put them on it, it wasn't received very well by the company that I work for, and um, I had to take them down. I only took them down for about three weeks, and then I put them back up. So, and then they've been there ever since. So, and that's probably about ten years ago, I think. And I every now and then I get some random email from somebody. I got I've gotten an email from someone from Egypt. I get a few from the UK thanking me for the videos, and um, I could I get some from uh, uh, around Australia and New Zealand as well. So uh, in the in the end, I uh, I was quite happy with that. But it was a challenge just getting it. I thought it would have been a good idea within that company to do those videos, but you know, I didn't go anywhere. And then I just decided that I'll just do it myself. So why why was why did the company not want to get involved with these videos? You know, I, I've, I've, I've no idea. Seems a bit weird that they don't want to be involved in it, and yet you go and take the initiative yourself, put it on YouTube, and they mm. don't like that. Yeah. I, I, don't, um, I can't get my head around that. Maybe that's just old management or, um, yeah, I have no idea. But the positive feedback that I got from outside the company was quite good. I've actually made some good friends through the videos that I keep in contact every now and then. They just sort of shoot me an email saying, hello, how how are you going? And, um, you know, a couple of the guys actually send me sort of photos of their their packing job, their pack, their export packers. Well, what do you think about this? Like, oh, okay, some pretty good packers out there. And, um, the the response was was unexpected. I didn't expect to get some emails from certain parts of the world. I got somebody from Egypt <laughs> saying that they really liked the videos and it helped them out. So do you think there's a shortfall of training for our industry? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely there's a shortfall. But, but I, I can understand why there would be a shortfall because it's really expensive and and hard to train up staff, especially when the attrition rate is, is so high. And then in Australia, with a lot of the companies moving to a contractor model, they move the burden of training to the contractor. Right. And then it's up to the contractor to, um, to train or find the staff. And it's, and I can, I get it from a bigger company standpoint because that, you know, maybe they, that's not really what their core business. Uh, is there this like we just find the work and then we'll we'll have a really good batch of contractors that we give the work to and that's what we'll focus our energies on you know getting the proper infrastructure managing that but the operations side of things that's the contractors issue so i want to go back one step regarding Mm -hmm. you keeping as one truck as such and not wanting to expand or have tried to expand but it doesn't really work for you is that a delegation issue it's a couple of issues. Yeah, I think a lot of it's a letting go issue. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. I know. Where, I know exactly where you're coming from. I find it quite, quite hard to to just uh, let go of and just let the people who should be doing the job just just leave them alone. I take the job too personally. Yeah. And I and I really love my guys. They're really really good. They're really highly skilled, and they can run their own companies. And they're that skilled that they can do them. But uh, yeah, sometimes I, I think I have a bit of an issue with micromanaging. So I just need to learn to let go. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's because it probably it's your name on the door or such. It's your company. And if you're letting other people go yeah. out there and they do mess up, you have to clear up that mess. Whereas if you're permanently on the job, you can keep an eye on things and make sure that there is no mess to clear up in the first place. Yeah, I think that's, that's it. Um, I, I just prefer... Just having a small crew, really. 
I think that's probably at the end of the day. Like the guys that I've got, there's been many times where I've just left them alone and uh, they, they, they've done a great job you know, and they continue to do great work. But yeah, I think, I think in the end, it's just uh, bigger is not always better. I just prefer to pay my bills and have a bit of a holiday now and then and that'll, that'll do me. <laughs> so if you could change anything from your moving past, what would it be? Maybe I would have uh, backed myself uh, into going out on my own a lot sooner. Because when you work for a really big company, you get insulated in that world. And then you think that that's just the way things are. You just accept whatever they tell you. And you think it's going to last forever. Because you think, oh, you know, this is, this is pretty good. But it doesn't. And uh, in the end, when the pin got pulled on us a few years ago, yeah, it was a big shock to the system because, you know, I never thought that would ever happen to us and also to my the other guys that I contract with. You know, those guys there, I've known them for 15, some of them 20 years. They've been to my wedding, to my 30th birthday party, you know. So they, you know, like these guys, I'm so close with these guys and the pin got pulled on them as well. And and we just never thought it would ever happen. And And I think it's because we just thought that the size of the company would just protect us forever and it, it didn't and then we, when we went out on our own and then we backed ourselves and we're all doing our own thing but as long as you've got an experienced crew and you've got a good reputation with all these other companies you're never short of work and i've found that with my relationships with other removal companies we're never short of work and um, i think maybe also too that's the good thing about keeping it small because if you get too large then the talent might get spread a bit too thin and yeah. um, maybe the quality of the work may not be as, as good. Just for me, just keeping keeping small and doing good work, keeping our clients happy, keeping the company that we're contracting to happy, keeping the staff happy as well too, um, making sure they're looked after. Because um, that experience doesn't come cheap. So. No, definitely not. So mm. as a contractor, are you exclusive to one company or can you contract to many? That's a bit of a tricky question because a lot of the big companies in Australia, you, you have to be exclusive to them. Right. But that kind of defeats the purpose of being a contractor because if you're only exclusive to one company, what's the point of being a contractor? You might as well just be an employee. So may, maybe it's the way they structure it. Before, we used to only contract to one company. But for me, I, I've just got a handshake agreement with the company that I contract to. The company looks after me, and I look after them, and it's a it's a great relationship. And um, I don't don't need a contract to sort of seal the deal, so to speak. I know that if I mess up, they perfectly within their rights to get rid of me. And um, I suppose on the flip side, on their side, they know that if sort of they don't sort of support us, then we could probably walk as well. And and I like that relationship, but I think to get to that stage there, you, you'd have to really um, uh, have some good crew, experienced crew, and be able to really, really um, do some good work without too many complaints. But most companies in Australia, from what I hear, they, you have to be an exclusive contractor. But I'm but not. then what do you do as an exclusive contractor when there is no work? If you've got no work tomorrow, what do you and your crew do? Yeah, that, I suppose that's true. Thankfully, that's never happened to us. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Like 
or just have the day off, I suppose. So a, lot, a lot of the contractors don't mind it because most of them are quite busy. It's, it's a strange one, that signing exclusive contracts to companies. I did that in a previous life and yeah, I'm never going to do it again. So when you turn up to do jobs, are you turning up in like a plain removal truck or is it sign written with the name of the, the people that you contract for? Let's say, for example, you were contracting for Grace. Obviously, Grace is a well-known company in, in Australia. But if you turn up to a job, is it your name on the side of the vehicle or is it no, Grace? No. Are you in Grace uniforms or are you in your uniforms? Yeah, it's, 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 it'll be Grace everything. A lot of the contractors for Grace, they all got container trucks. So it'd be a sign-written Grace truck. Uh, yes. And then the container, the container would be forked on and it would yeah. have the Grace logo on it or, or maybe gotcha. a, a partner of Grace, another yeah. agent of Grace from yeah. another part of Australia or, or the world. Companies like Grace, and then they're pretty stringent on their systems and they, they, they hold a steadfast on their systems. So there's mm. not too much leeway for contractors there. But... You know, there's, there's some other companies out there, maybe it's just a family-run business, but they use a contractor model where you're sort of exclusive to them, but they don't sort of mind you if you get some other work on your own. Whereas in if you're contracting a company like Grace or Kent or a big company like yeah. that, there's no way you'll be doing contracting work for other companies. Fair enough, fair enough. So what is your high point of being in the industry? I think uh high point is actually meeting a lot of the owners and seeing what they've done in such a short space of time and, and learning from a lot of the owners that I've met. Like I've met owners from Melbourne, Sydney, Cairns and Brisbane, and they're all they're all different. Uh, you know, some of them have come from a long line of movies, some of them have just decided to jump into the game seven years ago. And some of them they when they came to Australia they, they needed to as part of a business visa they needed to start a business and they just said, oh, well, we'll just start removals. And and those guys, I really look up to because they've been able to scale their business and they take risks and they they really put their, their name out there. Maybe it's a bit of like, I, I know I'm never going to get that big. That's why I really look up to these guys. Uh, maybe it's a bit of that, but it's uh, I find it inspiring how some of them, they just are able to overcome the worst luck and the worst circumstances and come out the other end. And um, yeah, I've learned a lot from them. I'm quite lucky as well, too, that they've always given me the time when I send them an email or give them a call and I, I talk to them on the phone. They're always very free, uh, very generous with their time. If I'm in town, I'll give them a text or just to catch up for a coffee or, or something. They would always give their time and, and, and meet up. And then we'd just talk removals for three, four hours. I mean, uh, it's, 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 there's nothing That's what better. removal people generally do. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. It's funny because I, sometimes I talk about removals forever and I'll just go so deep and I'll be talking to my wife about it and then she'll just, her eyes will just glaze over and then I just go, oh, yep, that's enough. Do you have associations and stuff like that in Australia then for the removal industry? I mean, obviously, we have the British Association of Removers to name one in the UK. But do you have the similar things in Australia? And do you have like area meetings? Do you attend stuff like that, conferences? So they've got AFRA, AFRA, the Australian Furniture Removals Association. They, right. That's the peak body in Australia. Um, that's not something that, that I'm part of. I work for a company that is part of AFRA. So because yeah. I'm just on the, on the subcontractor level, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm not sort of big enough to become part of EFRA. But if you did want to become part of EFRA, you know, there's this like every other association, you've got to meet financial stability tests and competence tests and all that sort of thing. So, but the, the peak body in Australia, you know, I, I hear from other companies, you know, sometimes some companies are, are pro EFRA, some companies think they're a waste of time. So that's, that's always the challenge, I suppose. And you'll get that with every association, yeah, unfortunately. With every association. So, um, but for the most part, I think that, that Afro, they're doing a good job and they, they, they try to sort of keep all the cowboys out. And I suppose that's why there's quite a high barrier to entry to be a part of Afro. Mm. And so it should be. Having the sticker, I suppose, would give the clients a lot of confidence yeah. that your, that your crews are, are all trained up. But yeah, but like I said, for me, I, I'm not part of Afro. I, I work for a company that is part of Afro. What one thing would you change within the moving industry? If I, if I could, I'd, I'd probably change three things that come to mind. And, and more of it has got to do with the mindset of the industry. So um, one thing I'd change would be like the mindset that more competition from the cheaper players is, is bad. I, I actually think it's good. And I, I, I can probably feel that a lot of people will disagree with me, with me on this point. But I think that the more uh, competition you get, it actually grows the pie. And when you grow the pie, you can actually address more of a niche part of the pie, which is the high value side, or you can get the cheaper clients. And, and as a removal company, you can choose which one you want to target based on your skills and experience. So um, I always think more competition is better. That's for everything in general, staff, removal companies, customers as well. And then another one, would I would actually really hope operations staff, they dream bigger within their industry and within their role. I think that a lot of them have got so much experience and so much insight and passion for the industry, but maybe sometimes they're, they're not encouraged to act on their passions within the industry by upper management. So I, I really hope that a lot of operations staff would, would dream big and, and maybe just do something on the side for their passion within the, in the industry. And one more thing I'd like to change is some of these relocation companies, their forms that you have to fill in just for a normal move is absolutely crazy. Like I've, I've done a move where you have to fill in 10 pages of forms and the form's about nothing. It's just you've got a special form for the artwork, the size of the artwork. You've got a special form for third-party services. You've got a special form for everything. It's, it's crazy. I, I, I get why they do it, but sometimes practically these forms are, and some of these rules are just they're crazy. There's one company, you have to pack the contents of the fridge drawers out of a fridge. So you, you, you pack the fridge and they clean the fridge and then you're, you're actually meant to empty the drawers and the shelves out and put it into a box, a separate box. And that's, that's a rule. I just don't see the logic in that. If the clients clean the shelves and, and the, the shelves fit better in the fridge than out of it, you know, they, they don't come separate when they come, when the fridge comes brand new. The drawers don't come outside the fridge. But for some reason, you've got to pack them outside. It's ridiculous. So some of these relocation companies, sometimes I feel like the rules that they put for the removal companies to follow, they're more trying to show that they know what they're doing rather than actually letting the removal companies do what they do best. And that's moving people. And that's one thing I've changed. But do you not think the rules are there for a reason? I mean, people make rules up because they've been bitten once or twice before and they don't want to be bitten 
again, it's a bit like having the terms and conditions on your quotations. People don't like, you know, your terms and conditions have got 20 odd clauses in them, or let's say the BAR one has, I think it's got 24, 25 clauses. But there's a reason for them being there and they are to protect you. And should you end up going to court, hopefully they will protect you. I agree. And, and rules, they should have a good reason for being there, not just be there for the sake of being there. And even the forms, like I was saying, they, they could be done in such a way where you're not having to fill out so much stuff. You're just adding more things for the, for the mover, the removalist to do on the job. So their own company would have some forms that, you know, when you put on the inventory, you'd have to put whatever. And then you'd have to fill that same thing on the actual relocation company's form again. So sometimes you're filling these forms out twice, you know, and you just got to do it. But like I said, this fridge one is just one of the banes of my existence. <laughs> it is, I just, I, you know, I'll remember to take the, take the drawers out and pack it in a carton because otherwise you'll get done. Crazy, yeah. But but I but I understand though. You're right, and I and I do take your point. Yeah, rules are there to protect both sides. But something like packing the fridge drawers in a carton. Come on, please. I don't know why that particular rule was put in place. Someone said something about, you know, maybe it gets moldy or something in there, but uh, I, I have no idea. If I can get a proper explanation for that, I'd be happy to happy to do it. But um, it's one of these, I suppose, it's one of these necessary evils. Is that then to put the items in a special carton, or is it just a standard carton? Just a standard carton. Just any carton. So it's not like triple insulated to keep the food no. cool or anything like that? <laughs> no, no. It's just the shelves come out with the drawers. Yeah. But like I said before, when the when the fridge gets delivered, the drawers are in there already. You gotta <laughs> but when you move it, you gotta take them all out. I'm gonna challenge you now on your mindset one. Because I disagree with you. Mm-hmm. On the On having more competition. Because to me, more oh, competition yes. drives the okay. price down. Yeah, I suppose it depends on what, which side of the equation you're looking at. I, I think for the customer, that's good. I think actually for good companies, that could be good as well too. Because the more competition you have in an industry, I actually think it, that grows the price. So you get more people that will actually think about doing a move. So People aren't going to move just because there's more removal companies though. No, that's true. But people will use removal companies more removal companies if it's within their budget. So if you get really cheap removal companies, let's say I, I would only spend $500 on a move. If I get a quote that's probably six or $700, I go, oh, no, I'll just do it myself. But if you get removal companies out there that will do it for 500 and I know that a lot of them will probably not be as good, but you know, for the level of service that you get for 500 it will tip the scale into the potential customer saying, you know, instead of I'm doing it, that $500 has tipped me over to I'll pay someone else to do it. So then you get another company getting work, employing somebody else and uh, doing a job for a lot cheaper. So that's, that's my take on it. The side I'm sort of more concerned on is doing really good work, like where you get paid a pretty decent price for, for your move. And those customers will always be there. Yeah, but they'll always be there. But and no disrespect, they'll always be there. But if you've got a client where you quote two thousand dollars, these are your high end customers, for example. Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden you've increased the market with more removal guys, and you're at two thousand dollars, and I come in and say, "Well, I can do exactly the same job as Damien, but I can do it for eight hundred dollars," you've lost. You've yeah. lost. So 
I don't, I'm sorry, I just don't agree with it. I just mm. don't agree with it. Thankfully, everybody's got different opinions, yeah. and that's great. I just don't agree with that one. I'm really sorry. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Ultimately, I'm actually speaking from the customer's point of view. So it's good for the customer. We don't, but, but we want it good for the removal company, because if it's good for the customer, the removal company is going to always lose money. The removal company is not going to be in business. Then the customer's going to have no removal company to go to, because no that's one's going to want to do it. Yeah, and if you've got your $500 company, you've got you're probably guys that aren't trained, not proper packing materials. They're probably not insured. The truck is probably filthy dirty. They're probably not using mattress covers and paper blankets and this, that, and the other. No, I'm sorry. I have to disagree with that one. Oh, that, that's right. But there is a market out there for those people who don't want to use mattress covers. They want to pay for that service. There, there is a market out there. you know. And, um, and if, if those people would pay a removal company to do it rather than do it themselves, I think that's a benefit for the economy anyway, because instead of them using their own labor to save themselves $500, the quote has been cheap enough for them to actually pay another company to do it, and then those guys get the money. And granted, they, they might not be as good, but you get for what you pay for. In the end, the customer gets a cheap deal, they get an expensive lesson, and um, another company gets some work. But cheap deal, expensive lesson, removal industry gets the bad rap at the end of the day. Uh, I, I think it's just market forces. Not keen on that one. What we should be doing is going in and educating the customers and literally saying, look, you need your mattresses wrapped. You need your paintings put in your proper cardboard boxes mm -hmm. and everything else. You need to pay a decent amount of money for a decent removal. Of course, right. if you don't want to do that, just go and get your mates from down the pub and, and hire a van and go and do it. It'll be the one time you do it, you'll probably never do it again. That's true. It's hard work. I, I couldn't agree with you more. But I, I think there's room for both. I actually think there's room for both. I think there's room for the cheap removalists, and I think there's room for the more premium service removals. Myself, I'm in the premium service uh, with my experience, but I, I can see I can see a market. And, and I don't, the, the job's hard enough. And anyone, who wants to buy themselves a truck and give it a go, I have nothing but respect for them because it's a hard job. You know? And to do it when you're not even trained, it's even worse. <laughs> so, oh, it's a very hard job. I've yeah. never done a removal in my yeah. life, Damien, and I'm never likely to. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd uh, rather get someone else to do it. <laughs> exactly. You know? and, 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 but for you, there's a tipping point. Yeah, lifting a box. That's a tipping yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, well, there's a tipping point for everybody. And, you know, like somebody, the, the tipping point where like a removal company that offers a premium service, it might be just a tad too much. So they would go, well, I'll, I'll keep that money and I'll ask my mates. So they do that, which is fine. And then, but then you get these cheaper ones who go, okay, I'll, I'll sort of do it. And, and not all of them are bad. Cheaper doesn't necessarily mean bad. Not, not all of them are bad. Some of, some of them do acceptable work for the level of service and the quality and the size of their quote. Some of them, most of them do. And, and a lot of them, they just want to make some money for their families. I don't want to sort of block them from entering the market. If, if they can do it, they can feed their families, that's fine. And um, it's good because there's plenty of work out there. If they're feeding their families, you're not feeding yours because they're potentially taking work off you. Yeah, well, that's, that's from the mindset of the pie is the fixed. My, my thing is I, I actually think the pie will actually grow. And if it grows, we all get fed. I like to eat probably nicer steaks than they do. I try to serve the market where they do pay the money because, like I said, I like my steaks. 
but maybe they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe they don't. They don't mind just eating a not that good a steak. <laughs> well, you've lasted a number of years. So, what advice would you give to yourself just starting out again in the industry? I think I've probably touched on it before. I'd probably just try to give myself the confidence to back myself, to sort of stand up for myself in, in, in the earlier days. When you sort of let the company that you're working for, like they do dictate the moves for you, but if you've got all the skills and, and there's a market for your skills, you shouldn't be scared to walk. You know, like you don't need to sign that contract. You know, if you're good enough, you're going to get work. There's plenty of companies out there that will pay you your rates, the rates that you deserve, that will sort of give you the freedom to operate how you see fit. And I, I wish I did that a lot earlier. But then again, you know, I'm glad I'm, I'm at that stage right now. So where do you see yourself and the industry in the next five years? I think technology is going to play a big part in it. Probably not in five years, probably longer than that. But I actually see porters, really, really good, talented porters and offsiders being able to pick and choose their jobs and uh, maybe work their own hours. And that's if you're in the, in the top end of the market and you have the skills, you, can, you, you, have the, uh, uh, you have the luxury of being able to do that. That's what I think that they'll be able to do more and more. Someone will come up with, with some technology that will properly match them, like a, an Uber for porters or something. But, uh, and, and they'll figure out all the kinks. There's, um, it's not quite as simple as just copying the Uber UX and, and, then, and then you're done because a lot of moving is actually quite personal and there's, there's a lot of teamwork involved. So, so sometimes offsiders, they just choose a, a company or stay where they are because it's just easier, easier for them to travel. But because a lot of these jobs don't happen at a depot, they happen at people's houses. So they, they still have to travel anyway. So you're not traveling to the depot, you're traveling to where the customer's house is. So because of that, there's a lot of dead time. And I think someone will come up with something that matches their talents with companies or subcontractors that are willing to pay for that experience. And on the flip side, the subcontractors or the companies, they'd get the benefit of not having to pay these porters for just hanging around the yard while they get their truck set up. So I, I definitely think that that's going to change. You see some of these app companies that can, they can manage a whole move. You know, they got some sort of AI that can manage moves and not to name, mention any names, but you do see them around. But I, I don't think that they will ever, ever be able to match the drive that an owner of a removal company would have for their own jobs. Because a lot of moving is lining the dots, getting people and trucks and customers and situations in a line so that you can do the best work. Like you, you might have a run and then you're sort of lining all the jobs up. And I, and I can't see AI or any of that sort of technology being able to beat a, a human or an owner who knows the capabilities of his trucks and his crews and the client's mental state. I, I can't see AI beating that. And I do think probably further afield, once we actually get the self-driving trucks uh, happening, I think when that happens, I think it's going to be a great help to the industry because you could almost have separate crews in, in different parts of the country or they, they don't have to travel with the truck. There's going to be a few kinks and there'll be 
a few issues with it, but I, I think in the end, when the driverless thing happens, it's, it's going to be a great thing for the industry. I agree with the self-driving trucks. Mm. As for the AI, AI, I can see that helping. I, I agree with, again, it won't, you, you can't beat the removal guy doing all the planning, but it can definitely help and make suggestions. Oh, that's true. It's probably more, more of a, as, a, as an assist, as, so it complements you. But yeah. I, I find it hard to see in terms of these big platforms that are coming out that, that can manage the whole process. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure about that. So what do you do outside of the industry to switch off? Not much, actually. I live and breathe removal. That's all I do. <laughs> That's what everybody does. <laughs> I mean, apart from I, I love spending time with my, my boys and my family, my wife. Yeah. And we just visit family and friends. Um, yeah, it's a bit difficult when you've got lockdowns here and there. But um, it's either family or removals. That's, that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> I, just, I just can't switch off. I think about it all the time. Think about how, how can we do this and how can we do that. You know, the industry is pretty messed up this way here. You know, if I could sort of do something, I'd do this. And next thing you know, in the next instance, I'll be playing with my two-year-old. You know, yep. so that's pretty much what I do. And, um, and I love doing it. Excellent. And finally, I like to end my podcasts with a funny moving story. Do you have one or more to tell? When I, when I was young in the industry, when I was, just when I started up, one of these jobs that I was, I was a porter offside at the time. We, we went to a job where a couple were probably, they were at each other and it was pretty bad. The vibe in the house was pretty bad. You know, moving is very stressful. So, you know, I could understand them uh, not being in the best mental frame. They were, they were at each other most of the day, just the way they were sort of talking to each other. And it was, it was making me and the driver pretty uncomfortable. We were packing away. And I, and I thought, you know, I could lighten the mood because I found their wedding portrait, uh, one of their wedding photos. And I thought I could lighten the mood. So I walked into the lounge room and I just said, oh, um, who are these good looking people? And then the husband turned around, looked at me and looked at the wife and just sort of yelled out, you know, you're supposed to get rid of this, and then just stormed off. I said, oh, that's, that's strange. And the wife looked at me, and she just looked so embarrassed, and then she grabbed the, the portrait off me. I didn't know what the big fuss was, and then when I um, actually looked at it properly, I, I found out that it was actually the portrait of her first marriage. So <laughs> she was, she, she, so, so, so I actually brought out, so it wasn't the, the actual <laughs> husband in the, in the wedding photo. So, uh, yeah, so needless to say that um, there was a bad vibe in the whole job. It just didn't stop. So uh, it's probably the last time I tried to intervene in someone's marital problems. Oh, brilliant. uh, (laughs) I I remember the driver looking at me, just just, he just had that look, and he just looked at me like, what are you doing, mate? And then when I was having a break, he just said, they don't even look the same. (laughs) <laughs> and I looked and I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I just said, yeah, you're right. And I think what it is is when I, I saw the portrait, I just saw her, and I didn't, even, I didn't even see him. And I just thought, oh, you know, you know this is it. <laughs> and, I, and it was funny because when I was walking to the lounge area, I just sort of had this picture in my mind. It's like, oh, you know, everyone's going to have a bit of a chuckle. And, oh, yes, and, and it's, uh, I'm going to be the hero of the moment. And uh, it didn't quite turn out that way. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, absolutely brilliant. Damien, thank you very much for giving up your time today. I truly appreciate it. And thank you for being a guest on the podcast. 
Oh, thank you very much, Colin. And uh, I really like your podcast and I think it's great. You know, like you've done a great job in interviewing so many people and I really like your work. And uh, thank you for allowing me to be part of it. I really, really appreciate it. And I, I'm very grateful that you would sit this long with me talking removals. Great. Thank you very much. I appreciate your kind words. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Colin. I sincerely hope you enjoyed episode 37 of Moving Matters. Please rate, review and subscribe in your favourite podcast player of choice. And please tell your industry colleagues about Moving Matters. My thanks and appreciation go to Damien Pahulu of Frontier Packers for giving up his time to record this episode. Thank you again, Damien. If you would like to know more about Damien, including his trading videos, then you will find links are in the show notes for this episode and on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. And please, if you have a funny moving story that can be relayed to our listeners or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, then do reach out to me by completing the contact form on our webpage, movingmatterspodcast.co.uk. Well, that is all from me. So until next time, keep moving.